0: Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear
1: their story.
2: We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy hour.
0: I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio.
2: And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly. Hello.
0: I didn't laugh.
2: No, we made it through.
0: made it through. This will be a fun episode. I'm looking forward to this episode. Do you want to let the, the peeps know what we're doing?
2: Yeah, this is kind of a Q&A episode. We you know, last season, we did a few episodes with just us, which was a lot of fun. But I think this season, we really wanted to focus on the guests. But, you know, we also have our own business ventures going on. And like, let's face it, like this podcast is for us too. So I feel like um, this is a perfect opportunity for us to talk about stuff that listeners want to know about the podcast or just about us or about our businesses or about how do we maintain our schedules, like whatever. So we put out a call on Instagram, uh, for questions and we're answering those in this episode.
1: Mm -hmm. Got a lot
0: of really good questions.
2: Yes, we did. So if you submitted a question, thank you so much. Um, it, and I will say, you know, you can, even if you're not on Instagram, you can send us questions at any time. Uh, we do have a Gmail account. It's smallbusinesshappyhour at gmail.com. So maybe maybe next season, you know, we're kind of reaching the end of season two. We have one more episode to go, but uh, we'll we'll take questions anytime.
0: Yeah. And we'll take reviews anytime too. Good for-
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Help people find us, help people find more importantly, the small businesses that we're promoting. Um,
1: yeah.
0: The, the more awareness we have about our podcast, the more awareness we can bring to our <laughs> small businesses and entrepreneurs that we've talked to so far and we'll talk to next season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Um,
2: so did you make a drink?
0: I mean, I have wine.
2: <laughs>
0: so I have this little can of underwood oh, yeah. um so like i knew that these existed and underwood is also a good go-to vegan brand of red wine and they have i know they have a rose i'm sure they have whites as well but i kind of forgot about the cans and like yeah. the cans are like like a, a bottle of wine is deceiving do you think that there's more in a bottle than there is right because this can which is you know what 12 ounces is up it's in a can that sounds right a 12 ounce can Mm -hmm. uh, is a half a bottle of wine yeah so I I start buying the cans again because one they're five dollars and then two it's a good way for me to kind of monitor how much I'm drinking during the week because I'll be like oh I'll just have a can of wine tonight
2: nice yeah I've seen those but I've never
0: had them I mean, it tastes just like the bottle and then It's actually a little bit cheaper i would assume because um this is something i've thought about just with the wine industry with wine being in bottles they're heavy you know that makes that makes things a lot heavier so it increases shipping costs and obviously emissions and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, i mean one of the most environmentally friendly things you can do as like a beverage producer is putting your drinks in cans you know
2: um
0: so that's another thing that makes me feel good about drinking this is it's good for the environment as well yeah yeah that's cool what are you drinking
2: i um am drinking some of the i made like a margarita but it's with the tequila alternative that i bought from deirdre i don't, I don't know the proper name to say that story i assuming it's deirdre
0: it's it Deirdre. We I mean, went there this weekend.
2: Yeah, so that is a bottle shop, um, a not a completely non-alcoholic bottle shop in Austin, which um I actually googled like non-alcoholic bottle shops in the United States, and there's a lot all across the country, so maybe there could be one in your area, but I bought the ritual. Tequila alternative, which this was my first time trying that. I tasted a little before I made the margarita. It's really good. Tastes a lot like actual tequila. I got this raft uh, citrus rosemary syrup, which that they are also a small business uh, in Portland. I put this in with my to make my margarita. It's very good, especially if you like rosemary. But they did have other flavors. And then I put my all the bitters orange And topped it with LaCroix. And it is quite delicious.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely have Deirdre on the podcast next season.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Talk to one of the owners about it whenever we were in their store. And she was delightful and we love what they're doing. So, yeah, I'm excited about this little non-alcoholic journey. I was definitely inspired after talking to um, Ian from All the Bitter, which was, you know, a recent episode and then you know go into the store and feel like i'm gonna go on a little a little journey we'll see what happens
2: a little journey yeah so <laughs> some of the questions that we got were for like specifically for each of us and then some for both so i think we should just start with the ones for both of us um so our first question what made y'all decide to do the podcast this is the question we get asked a lot
0: mm-hmm. they do and i usually put to you to answer so I'll... Mm-hmm. yeah so we i guess it was always not always but over the past couple of years in the back of my mind that i wanted to do a podcast and about a year ago a little bit longer than that um holly was laid off for what like the third time something like that you know
1: yeah
0: and feeling really frustrated and and wanted to kind of have like a little powwow of like just like a creative energy night of you know kind of planning out what your life looked like you know and Mm -hmm. just thinking of what next steps could be you know um and at one point you know we were kind of talking about like avenues for creative energy and I mentioned Uh, what what do you think about doing a podcast? (laughs) Holly was like, well, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, funny you ask. I've thought about it already. I was thinking, you know, because we're both at least, obviously I'm a small business owner with the yoga studio. You, you know, write novels and have your Etsy shop and your blog. So I put you in the entrepreneur category And we've both shared a lot of frustrations over the years of just like lack of support, whether it's from friends, family, or just people that follow us that don't do anything. And we kind of just brainstormed and we're like, we could have some kind of platform where we talk to people. You know, our goal would be talking to people that are doing things for good. I mean, generally speaking, most small business owners are... You know, for the good, but obviously there's there's differences between everybody. So we've been trying to target people that are, you know, doing cool things, doing good things, whether it's for the environment, society, whatever the case may be, and just trying to lift people up, you know, because it's really hard as a small business owner whenever your finances are tight to get your product or service or whatever it is out there. So anything we can do to help, you know, we, we thought, you know, what goes around comes around. So let, let's let's lift people up.
2: Yeah. You know, I taught my blog class for many years at LSU and then again at the University of Texas. And one thing that I always encourage my students is like when you're thinking of a topic for a blog, you have to think of something that's going to live on for however long you want this to live on. Like if you, you know, I always use this example because it was so niche, but I had this woman that like she was really into um, Halloween antiques. And so she wanted her blog to be about that. And I was like, I love this idea, but like, can you write about that for 10 years? And I mean, you, she probably could, but some ideas it's like, Oh, you can think of five episodes, 10, 20 episodes, but can you think of episodes that are going to last forever? And like with this idea, it's like, there's so many small businesses out there, um, that are, that kind of fit, what we're looking, I feel like the more people we talk to, the more businesses we find. And I mean, right now in particular, I feel like small businesses are really, you know, feeling this like current economic state. Um I guess what made us like that was kind of how we came to the idea. What the question is what made y'all decide to do the podcast? We really uh after we had that initial powwow, we met again in a more serious manner and i literally asked derek are we really fucking doing this and he said yeah so that's how we decided
0: <laughs> uh, <just a> <laughs> oh my god fashion you had folders and everything for that serious meeting so yeah. i
2: know yes i got a folder for derek in his favorite color me my favorite color but I think I really wanted to, like, be serious about it in a way because, I mean, we are friends. And and going into something like this, you know, you can it, – it, sometimes it's hard to work with your friends. But also, like, something like this that um, has kind of a rigorous schedule and, like, takes, like, a pretty serious commitment. I feel like that was really the question because it's, like – it's very similar to having a blog. It's like, are you going to post on a blog once a month? Like, that's probably not going to be worth it, really. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the, that was sort of my thought was like, if, because I'm just that person, like, if I'm going to do something, like, I'm going to do it, you know? Right.
0: So. Yeah. That's a good segue into what the next question is, which is how do you maintain your podcasting schedule? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was what we decided in that Meeting and the more serious meeting was how often we were going to do episodes because, yeah. like, you know, you have the option to do weekly, daily, biweekly, whatever the case may be.
2: Yeah, random. I mean, I think I feel like some people probably just post episodes at random, which I I could never agree to that.
0: <laughs> no, 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 and I don't think that. I mean, I think if you think of what successful podcasts are, they have a schedule that they stick to for the most part. Obviously, there's flexibility like breaks and holidays. Yeah stuff like that or emergencies you know life happens yeah Uh, but we wanted to stick to a schedule and we maintain that schedule with holly's diligence and (laughs) (laughs) being transparent and realistic we were in a really good groove for season one you know if you listen to this podcast you know I'm very busy work full-time run the studio even have some side work every now and then and i kind of like ran out of fuel at some point during season two and holly felt it you know it was kind of unfair to her that you know the weight was kind of falling on her to find guests and like keep up with you know our schedule to make sure our episodes were on track so how do you maintain your podcasting schedule if you're doing it with a person as a partnership and Mm -hmm. you have a good partner your partner will call you up whenever you're you're following your weight (laughs) which is what happens so and i appreciated it Mm -hmm. um so now we're back to you know i think more of an even split with maintaining the schedule and yeah it's really organized
2: it is it i mean no matter what the project is i think it's really hard to maintain a schedule especially when you have other obligations. And I mean, stuff like this is what falls to the wayside. I mean, this is not something that we, we benefit from monetarily. Um, and sadly, those things get pushed aside when, you know, you have other things that need to get done. Um, but I think the thing that's important to me is just making the commitment to myself, you know, even if we don't have a ton of listeners or whatever, like we made the commitment to ourselves and to the, the business owners that we talked with. But I think, you know, we did have a we did have a break between season one and season two, and we recorded some and built up some. But once you publish the first one, it's like, okay, now the train is rolling once a week. And, you know, sometimes guests fall through and stuff, you know, stuff happens and it's like, oh, wow, we we need to get on it. Like it it definitely is not always so easy, but I do think. I think that would still happen even if we put episodes out every other week or even, you know, it's like stuff would still happen. Um, So, yeah, you just have to kind of constantly make time and, you know, be on it, I guess.
0: Yep. Yeah, for sure.
2: The next question also sort of goes with this. Any tips for managing your time when you're working on multiple ventures? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I, this is like pretty much been like my, my whole life. Um, I feel like ever since I could, um, I've been involved in so much, like in high school, I was writing for the paper. I was captain of the dance team. Like I have always been someone that just is in so many things. Um, so I remember like when I got my driver's license, it was like, I feel like my parents got me a car because they were like, cool, we're not going to be driving you around to to all this stuff anymore. So pretty much like in college, I was the same way. And honestly, I am just so freaking crazy when it comes to planning my time. I've always used a paper planner from the time I, I remember having a paper planner in middle school. And I, I tried going digital for like one year and that was just like not a thing that worked for me. But using a paper planner, I plan out my day. I put like everything that needs to be done, even if it's stuff like going to the grocery store. I mean, sometimes I even put like read <laughs> like anything that's leisure like anything that needs to be done that day I put on there and over the past few years I started blocking out my hours so like if I know how long something's going to take I block off those hours because that's the to me that's the only way you can see like okay I have 25 hours worth of things that need to be done today. And that's obviously not going to be possible. So then you have to switch things out. Um, So if you're working, like if you have two different jobs or if you have two different clients or however many different clients, five different clients you can divvy up whether it's like, Oh, I need to get four hours of work done for this client today. uh, Block off that time or however that shakes out for your week because I'm so busy. I really don't like have the, I mean, Derek, you're this way too. Like the weekend is not like a time for me to just like lay on the couch and be a sloth as much as I want to. Yeah. Um, so I do this for the weekend as well. I don't, you know, make it so rigorous on the weekend. Like I not like waking up at six and sitting at my computer, but I still block off my time and put like goals for the weekend. Um, that's something I started doing that during the pandemic because. I felt really lost on days when I didn't have a structure. So I made the structure myself. I don't know how, how you work yours, Derek.
0: Yeah, I was kind of the same way. Always, always busy, you know, overactive in high school with, you know, extracurriculars. I was also working in high school, you know, I've been yeah. working. I was driving, um, worked full-time, went to school full-time in college, so that was like when I really learned how to manage my time, because it was like, I mean, there's only how many hours in the day <laughs> sleep at some yeah. point, you know? I mean, thanks, I yeah. was young and could get away with like four to six hours of sleep a night, which is pretty much all I got during college.
2: Huge, sugar-free Red Bull. Oh, I
0: drank a lot of them, yeah, yeah, I drank a whole lot of them, but yeah, it's, it's been challenging you know and thankfully time management is something that comes naturally to me but lately with so many things going on at once that was part of the struggle um, of maintaining the podcasting schedule is i just had too much going on so i had to adopt it like a planner type of mentality which i'd never done before uh, because yeah. i've always been able like i always lived by my calendar but i never had to like plan you know, hours of my day. Yeah. So they're doing that, I guess about two months ago-ish. And it's really helped a lot that I've just like, I've been able to know what I need to accomplish within a day, within a week. But also, I think it's really important to give yourself grace. You know, like, if you haven't had a human design reading done, I encourage you to do so. Because, and we have a few episodes about that if you want to hear more about it because whenever I got my human design reading done, I already knew this, but it was just gratifying to hear it. I'm a manifester, which means that I can't always be on, especially whenever it comes to like details and stuff. And I have to give myself breaks. So like I'll actually schedule, like you mentioned scheduling time to read. I'll schedule time for naps. Or like if I know I need a nap, that motivates me to work harder, get stuff done faster so I can get a nap. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the schedule like, naps and things like that like no matter how busy you are you have to have fun have to find time to relax whether it's yeah. doing a 20-minute yoga class if you don't have time to take a nap like you've got to find time to give yourself a mental break because you can't just go non-stop
2: yeah did you have another question that goes with this one
0: i did i had someone asked a someone actually i think it was probably a joke they asked what is work-life balance i think work-life balance is at least in the age we live in is kind of a farce you know um i don't know if that's realistic to be able to accomplish if you're working full-time and especially if you have multiple ventures so i think it's more like work-life integration you know it's like trying to find a way to integrate the two without work becoming your life you know i don't think there's a perfect way to do it i mean obviously each person's different you know obviously enjoying what you do for work helps a lot you know if if your job is sucking your soul like you're never going to have balance regardless of if you have if you want to work 20 hours a week and you hate your job you're never going to have balance because your mind's going to be elsewhere you know so
2: yeah, I, I think I actually have a bit of a different take. Um, I don't really like the term work-life balance. It sounds kind of weird. However, I remember when I got my first job here in Austin, when I moved to Austin, it was like, I think I was at the, it was like a startup. I was there for like the first, you know, I was there for during my first couple of weeks and I went into the CEO's office. It was like part of the training. She was giving me like a history of the company. And I don't know what sparked her to say it, but she was like it was like a thing on a PowerPoint, like a bullet that said work-life balance. And she was like, what is work-life balance? And and I, when she said it, I was just trying to be courteous. And I was like, yeah. And But inside I should have been like alert, <laughs> alert, <laughs> alert. <laughs> because that was like one of the worst jobs I've ever had. And they absolutely did not believe in any kind of work-life balance. When I think of, of this, like when, what I think of this is, limiting, you know, whatever, is whatever your job is, whatever your nine to five, I mean, I know for small businesses, this is really tough, yeah. but, um, keeping that to like, whatever it absolutely has to be, whether it is nine to five, even if it is a longer day, when you shut off from that job, you need to shut off from that job. And for me, like I do work a nine to five job. I, I usually work like eight to four ish. And I have my desk like in a very odd place in my apartment that I don't spend time in elsewhere. So that helps me mentally prepare. Like when I go to my my work desk, that's the only thing I do at that desk. I do not eat. I do not read. um, I don't, you know, watch TV. Like it's just my work desk. So when I sit down there, I do my work. When I get up from there, that's where I do my other things. Eat, read. I have a separate computer for my Etsy shop, for my personal stuff and to me that is like essential for my like work life balance because i don't do my work on my personal computer i don't answer work emails on my personal phone and that is something i refuse to do you could say i'm going to lose my job and i'll be like okay peace out like i refuse i have that is something from the first job I've had when I worked at LSU, um, if I'm going on, a, if I'm taking PTO, you will not hear from me. Consider me in on Mars because I will not be available even if there's an emergency. I do not answer emails like those types of boundaries are like vital for me. And I think over the last couple of years, I have really tried to take it one step further and limit limit the amount I talk about my work also like to my friends, family, even if it's talking about good stuff, I just find it to be like, you know what? I have other stuff I can talk about. And Um, If I get if I find myself getting frustrated or like I need to vent or something about work, I usually just get on my little treadmill for 10, 15 minutes and then go back to my desk. Like, I just don't want to blow anything up out of proportion. I don't want to spend any extra time than what I'm being compensated for. And that's that.
0: Yeah. So boundary setting is really important.
2: Yeah. It's really just even if you have to work a long day, because I do understand that. But that's like for me. I wouldn't, I don't know what work-life balance means, but whatever you call that.
0: (laughs) It's different for everyone, you know? Um, And it depends on your career, you know, Mm because the the person that asked this is becoming a doctor. You know, work-life balance is obviously very different for a doctor, especially if you're in surgery and stuff, you know? So I think that's where, you know, work-life integration comes to play because it's, you know, depending on how, you can't set boundaries like because like you know doctors are on call and you know mm-hmm. if you if you have an on-call type of environment it, it gets more complicated you know
1: Yeah.
0: so it, it's kind of just finding what works best that's not you know an amazing answer but yeah you gotta find ways to set boundaries and and make time for yourself because otherwise you'll just go insane yeah yeah and don't make too many friends at work because then you can't escape work
2: yeah
0: i learned that the hard way
2: oh my gosh yeah um, this next question i love so much but it also makes me laugh are there any big businesses you support or think are worth are worth our dollars
0: mm-hmm. that's a really good question
2: it is. The reason it makes me laugh is because I was like, wow, what do we sound like on the podcast that we, I mean, I know we talk about how much we hate capitalism, but nah. <laughs> which is the appropriate message, but um, I'm like, wow, people are out here really thinking. But when I actually sat down to think about it, I really don't shop at many big businesses. Like I, I feel like people probably will be a little shocked to, I maybe shop at Target once a year. And that is, being very generous. Um, I really don't shop at uh, places like that. Um, th- these are the businesses I came up with for the ones I support Ulta. I'll, I'll kind of go into uh, detail, but Ulta, Lush, Rothy's, and this is probably going to be also one that people don't like Skims. For me, like when it comes to supporting something that's not technically a small business, I fall back on where like whatever company it is, where is that money going? Whether it's, are they supporting a political agenda that agrees with mine or does not? That is like one of my top concerns. Um, Also, where do they, you know, maybe they're supporting like causes that I care about. That is um, the second thing that I really look at. And another thing is like, where do they stand on, you know, issues? Like um, maybe it's not a political agenda, but you know, what was their statement when something happened, you know, things I always am looking at that. So for me, you know, Ulta, that's where I worked for 10 months. But I have been like an Ulta girly for years and years and years. I think Ulta is an accessible place to get makeup. And you can get drugstore makeup there. And if you think I'm out here supporting Walgreens or CVS, think again, and I don't want to go into the details of why. But to me, Ulta is a company that although they're not perfect, they are inclusive in terms of pricing. They also are inclusive of all sorts of different brands, indie brands, drugstore brands, you know, huge corporate brands. And they're happy to support, you know, black owned brands, like all sorts of BIPOC uh, brands. And they are very big on diversity. One thing that happened, I think it was a two, maybe two years ago, was that when the teen, when it came out that the Teen Vogue editor was a big fat racist, Ulta was the first company to withdraw their advertisements from Teen Vogue. And that started like a chain effect of all other big advertisers pulling out. And I really loved that. Ulta was also one of the first big retailers to make a statement on the transgender all of this political transgender stuff that was happening. And they started doing makeup videos with transgender creatives. And I thought that was really, you know, one of their taglines is like makeup is for everyone. Um, and so I just, I have always loved Ulta, but the more stuff they do, I'm like, yeah, that is, um, I, I really don't, do not mind supporting, supporting them. And then the other place for beauty Um, is Lush, which, you know, they don't have an as extensive stuff as Ulta does. But what I really love about Lush is that they are supporting causes based around animals. Like not only are most of their products vegan, cruelty free, like you will not believe some of the companies out here still testing on animals. So it's vegan, cruelty free. They donate to animal related causes, but they've also recently in the past couple of years started like this initiative which makes some of their products called they call them naked where they have no packaging I literally just bought – I meant to have it at my desk to show you, but I'll describe it because I know people are listening, obviously. I bought a no-package mascara from Lush, and it looks like a crayon, a hollowed-out crayon that you dip your mascara wand in water, and then you stick it in the crayon, the crayon, quote-unquote, and like kind of scrape the mascara off the sides. And that is where the color is at. I haven't tried it yet,
1: okay. but –
2: They have naked products from, like, you know, solid shampoos and conditioners, body wash, uh, body balms, body butters. Like, I've used, like, the naked face wash. It's just they're trying to eliminate packaging when you buy stuff and get it shipped all of the packaging that it comes in to get to your house is biodegradable so I really just love like all these efforts that they go to and and like their products are I've really never been disappointed like it's they of course have like phenomenal bath products Rothy's that is the shoe and bag company that makes stuff out of um, recycled plastic like water bottles. I think I have like six pairs of their shoes now. They are so comfortable. I wore them like to work when I was working at Ulta and there's they're just so comfortable. I use them when I travel because you can put them in the washing machine. I mean I I, I hope like I'll probably eventually only have Rothes because I feel like it's all I wear now. Um, and then skims. This is, you know, Skims is co-founded by Kim Kardashian and another, um, I forget her name off the top of my head, but she also co-founded, um, good American, which is Chloe's like denim company. So it's like a, a a professional, a female professional in the fashion industry. You obviously cannot thrift, you know, under underwear, undergarments. Um, so Skims is where I go. They do support a charity called Baby to Baby, which uh, supports children in, you know, impoverished areas. But I just honestly, it is obviously a female founded brand. I know people don't love Kim Kardashian, but I think this line, this brand that she created is really something like, you know, she's been a part of the fashion industry for years, even, you know, before she was famous. And I think this is like really where her passion is because it's shapewear that's quality, but also the stuff is so comfortable pajamas. I think I have probably eight pairs of the ribbed leggings. Like it is just, it's the best. So those are my companies, my big companies. Um, I think if you're trying to figure out, you know, what companies are worth really like I said it comes down to like the political agenda like for me like I don't align with Target I don't align with Walmart so I don't feel good about shopping there sometimes there are things that you have to go to Target for and let me tell you those things really just like I I have an air filter for my air purifier in my apartment that I cannot buy anywhere else except for on Amazon it's not sold anywhere else In the case of Amazon, you can't do this, but the only thing that I would say, if you do have to go to Walmart or Target or whatever that place is for you, um, if you can just go to your local store and pick up the item, um, you are still supporting the people that work there in your community and you're actually, you know, going there. It's not being shipped. I know you're still driving there or whatever, but that is like my only thing that I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm just supporting the people in my community that work here so, yeah, that's my thing that helps me sleep at night if I have to go to Target.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I had trouble coming up with names <laughs> this. One, I don't do a lot of shopping to begin with. Yeah. Like, I pretty much just buy wine and food, usually. And then, you know, essentials. But after our conversation with the fashion disruptor, which is a really good episode. Yeah. Uh, where we kind of talked about the environmental impact on that clothing if fast fashion is it made me really start thinking about how i can change that part of my life and we went thrifting this weekend and i got it was my first big thrifting experience got all kind of good stuff so like i'm definitely big on thrifting now um but i feel like there are some things well, you kind of have to make exceptions, you know. And if you're going to make exceptions, try to do it consciously, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I I have a lot of trouble finding pants that fit because I have a huge butt. <laughs> and so
1: <laughs>
0: I've discovered that my rain layer has really great pants. And they also have shirts that fit me really well. Like, just, it's like the store was made for me. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, like, after that episode, I was like, please, God, tell me that my green layer is responsible. And guess what? They're a certified B Corp. Yay. (laughs) Yeah. So, they do a lot of, a lot of stuff. You know, they're, they're responsible, responsible about the fabric they use to produce new clothes. They also do a lot of recycling of clothes and either reuse those recycled clothes for new clothing that they produce or they you know get it to organizations that use you know clothing for like insulation and stuff like that
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: so i was like thank god um,
1: yeah
0: and it's expensive you know mm-hmm. it was expensive i will say it's worth the money just from my experience and I'm just so thankful that it was responsible because I was like, God, I have to go try to find another place to get pants from. I don't want to.
2: <laughs> I think that is another good tip is looking for companies that are B core, certified B Corps. Right. You have to go through a rigorous certification process. I believe we talked about it. Was it on the Fashion Disruptor episode where we talked about that?
0: Wait, was it? It was. It was. Yeah.
2: We we talked about it a little bit too with Kate from Bobble Stockings.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: you have to go through a rigorous certification process to prove that you're doing good, not only by the environment, but also by your employees. So, you know, that a B Corp is uh, not only paying their employees fairly, but treating them fairly. Also, Patagonia, when Patagonia is a certified B Corp, they're obviously a, a pretty huge company. But I don't know if you remember, I guess it was maybe last year, the CEO of the company announced that he was leaving his legacy to the environment. Yeah. So when that was announced, I thought that was such a cool move. I don't think I own anything from Patagonia, but I'm like, wow, consider that like I if I need something outdoor, like I'm shopping there because not only are they um, a B Corps, they're benefiting. They're going to be benefiting the environment for the rest of existence. You can like read financial articles on like the actual dollar amount and how it's going to work that like the account will benefit the environment. But they also have put out such amazing statements when it comes to, you know, institutional racism and just anything that has come up over the last few years like they they are. In line with uh, my personal beliefs. So that is one thing you can definitely look for if you if you go to a company's website and you find stuff is hard to if you find their values are hard to find talking to you anthropology and urban outfitters. (laughs) then they're probably not doing anything uh, because any business b- businesses now know that consumers are looking for benefits of that nature. So yeah. if a business is not tooting their own horn that they're doing it, it's because they're probably not doing it and they're probably out here, you know, shein style and like,
1: yeah.
2: heck no to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that those are my thoughts on the, uh, the big business, but I actually was like, wow, I really don't support big businesses. I didn't even think much about it, but I really yeah, don't. I'm
0: so good about that.
2: Okay. That's this
0: next question, what is a common trait theme you've seen with past guests? And this is something we touched on in <laughs> the last, like, I guess, season finale kind of thing. We kind of did yeah. like some of things that we had heard. So you, why don't you go first? I liked your answer.
2: Yeah. I feel like across both seasons so far it's really a lot of folks who just have felt either discomfort or totally out of place in their current situation. Maybe it's, Hey, I'm not feeling a hundred percent happy here, but some people, like we talked to um, Georgia Dawkins in particular, and I feel like someone else, maybe was it Conteo? Someone else said they had physical symptoms of like anxiety that feeling of like, I'm not my, my bot, my mind and body are not aligned. Like having, um, there's like this symptoms of feeling like burnt out, um, where it's like, you can't sleep. You have digestive issues. Like you're just super stressed. So they change. So, you know, a lot of people we've talked to have felt that way. And then they were like, I have to make a change. And they changed their current situation. Um, I feel like when you watch, Um, shows like Shark Tank, which I do a lot. Maybe maybe not most, but I would say a good half the people that go on that show are more like, oh, I had this problem. Like I was trying to do this thing and this item was missing from my life. So I figured there was a gap in the market and I created this item. I feel like a lot of people we've talked to, it's more about them trying to like better their situation but then obviously offer a product or service that is bettering other people's situations
0: yeah yeah for sure another running theme that i relate to and we we've talked about is and and we didn't always say it in this exact phrasing but imposter syndrome is real you know Um, especially as a new small business owner a new entrepreneur I mean, you can go to school for entrepreneurship and small business and, you know, if you're in fashion, you go to you can go to school for fashion. I have an MBA, you know, and still feel like an imposter. I went to yoga training, you know, and still feel like an imposter. It, it, it runs the gamut, you know, and I listen to a lot of different podcasts and stuff and hear a lot of people with imposter syndrome, even like doctors, you know, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, you're feeling like, you can't do it because you would feel like an imposter don't let that stop you uh, i would say most of our guests if not all have had imposter syndrome at some point of time or still have it you know if it's meant to be it's meant to be and if if you feel passionate about it i mean i say go for it i think it was aaron who said i would regret not trying more than mm-hmm. I, not having done it you know
2: yeah definitely yeah. so yeah imposter syndrome is scary but um i think it just kind of comes with it honestly
0: yeah i don't think it, I, don't, I don't know if you can escape it um i think if you maybe if you don't have imposter syndrome you might be a psychopath
2: <laughs> <laughs> i i really never felt it until i was looking for jobs
0: yeah but. you know like i feel like if you think perfect you know kind of thing
2: I think before I experienced it, I thought imposter syndrome was more like people feeling a a brief feeling of, oh my gosh, I can't do this. But what I experienced was almost a crippling feeling of what if I actually can't do this? What if the experience I've had is not real?
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, i sounds
2: so crazy, but I was literally like, is what's on my resume just like invisible to people or did I like not really experience that life? Like it's such a crazy feeling. Um, So yeah, I definitely feel for uh, all of us that have had suffered from it, but I know for me, I just affirmations work through it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I love this one. Which podcast guest business backstory was the most surprising or inspiring and why? Honestly, I mean, I feel like everyone we talk to, I'm always like wow, that conversation went so much different than I expected Uh, it to go in the best way possible. Because, you know, we do our research. There's obviously reasons we're reaching out to people. So we know a little bit about them in the first place, but you don't know someone's true story until they're willing to share. So Mm. for me, um, off the top of my head, you know, I think Elena from Spyro, she was our first guest that Made a product. Mm-hmm. And that still, I just feel like maybe I just have a mental block against like making a product, but that still blows my mind that she, you know, discovered a gap within her passion area that would make yoga accessible for others. And she made a prototype, talked to these factories to have it made. Like that just. And now it's a living product that people use. She uses it. She's, you know, working to get the word out there. I really was, it still blows my mind because if someone, if someone paid me a lot of money to make something like that, I would be like, sorry.
1: (laughs) like
2: That's so cool. Um, Also, Jeremy Turner, the Airbnb host who had the 90s throwback airbnbs he was somebody I wanted I put we created an initial list of people that we wanted to be on the show when we decided to do this and he was someone that I wanted even not knowing that much about him I stayed at the Kevin and it was just so cool and creative and I think there's really something to be said about people who are making experiences for people helping make memories he has since, you know, closed his Airbnbs, but I'm really just he's someone that I check his Instagram periodically because I'm really curious to see, you know, what he's going to do next. Because given what he did before, like the the thrifting bus that he did, who knows what is next for him, but I really loved him. And then more recently in this season, our conversation with both Ian Blessing from All the Bitter and Kate Stewart from Bobble Stockings, I just feel like those are both two people that it's almost like it took their whole life to create the business that they created. For Kate, like she grew up with this tradition. She made a business out of a tradition that was only happening in her family. Um, And she's made it something that is not only a Christmas tradition, but can happen for pretty much any day of the year. It's it's making memory. Again, it's people making memories. Um and then Ian coming from the sommelier background, I mean that was obviously like a, a very impressive career that him and his wife turned into something that, you know, the more I think about the conversation we had I don't know if Ian and his wife look at it like this, but I really feel like they're benefiting a population of people that have really never been thought about before. You know, people who don't drink for whatever reason and they're doing it with such care and they're also benefiting the environment and benefiting, you know, related causes. Like I almost started crying during our conversation with him. Like I just, There's something about like when the right people do the right things, like the universe rewards you. And I, I feel like both of them, Ian and Kate, like their businesses are a success because of that. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, they were, they would have all been on my list as well. Um, my additions to that is impact family wellness, which is my doctor's office just the model of direct primary care like i'm obsessed with and, and the
2: fact that she didn't even know what it was either
0: that's that's why i put her on the list and she
2: googled it yeah
0: yeah it, it was like you know a targeted ad you know <laughs> that is how it got her attention and then she looked it up and she's like okay i'm gonna do this you know
2: yeah it's amazing
0: uh, you know fuck the healthcare healthcare system it's basically <laughs> mentality and i'm here for it so i was just really impressed with actually hearing how the doctor's office was founded because before talking to her i didn't know i knew that i loved direct primary care for all the reasons that we talked about but i didn't know that's how she got there so that was fascinating yeah and then concio marketing it was it was really fun hearing his story because he was a philosophy major
2: you know and
0: if you if you talk to him it's like Kurin is, I mean, he's very much a yogi, like just not a marketing person. Yeah,
2: not your traditional like sales and marketing uh, person.
0: That's yeah. not not a marketing person. So he talked about People being like, "What the hell? You're opening up a marketing company? <laughs> that makes no sense." But you know, he has a knack for it. But he's doing it in a way where it's like, let's be conscious about it and not make it. Consumerism, Mm but make it marketing because you're trying to sell something good, you know? And obviously, that is right in line with with where our podcast stands. So it was fun to hear how he got there in his journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all topics for both. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you?
2: They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at OrangeJulia7. Also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you?
0: So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga with Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K, spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, Don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at smallbusinesshappyhour. Or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour at
1: gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers. See See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.